This is LiveWell Talk on Aortic Abdominal Aneurysms. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health St. Luke's Hospital, and often we talk about heart issues on the podcast, and today we're going to extend that into vascular uh, care uh, and discuss one of the most common issues arising in uh, vascular medicine, being abdominal aortic aneurysms, or AAAs. Joining me today to talk about AAAs is Dr. Jared Cray, vascular surgeon with PCI and St. Luke's Hospital. Welcome, Jared. Hi, Dustin. Thanks for having me on. Hey, let's start with, uh, can you just explain what an aneurysm is? So in general, an aneurysm is considered any dilation of a blood vessel greater than one and a half times the diameter of its uh, average size. Can, it, can aneurysms occur in any blood vessel? Uh, for the most part, they can. Um, more commonly, the ones we hear about and think about, especially as a vascular surgeon, are ones that occur in the vessels that originate from the heart, either the, the uh, aorta, um, you can have mesenteric blood vessels, renal artery aneurysms, um, but most commonly, uh, by far, the infrarenal aortic aneurysms. But you can also have cerebral aneurysms, which are, are not associated with uh, aortic aneurysm disease, but um, we do see those uh, come up in our patients that we're screening for other uh, risk factors from time to time as well. What, what are the risk factors for developing an aneurysm? Primarily um, atherosclerotic risk factors. So uh, by and large, the, the biggest one is uh, any history of uh, tobacco use, uh, which actually confers about a you know, three and a half to four times greater ratio than the average population. So any tobacco abuse uh, counts cholesterol problems and uh, hypertension as well. There can also be a significant uh, familial component of this as well. Right. And there's some connective tissue diseases that possibly have aneurysms, correct? Correct. Yes. We <clears throat> just see those uh, very much less frequently, in, especially in our population here in Iowa. Okay. The, we know what the risk factors are. You've discussed them. What, what are the symptoms? How do I know if I have a, uh, aortic abdominal aneurysm? Uh, now, typically, that's there are no symptoms. These Almost all of these aneurysms are found uh, in one of two ways, either incidentally when you go to the doctor's office and you get a test looking for something else and you end up with a CT scan or an ultrasound and, and the, the uh, study appropriately identifies the problem or um, with a, a screening study, which is recommended for, I guess we can jump right into that, but uh, screening studies are recommended currently for any uh, male age 65 to uh, 75 who smoked over 100 cigarettes in their lifetime and right now currently for women who have a family history of aneurysms of, of aneurysms yes actually the and those are the kind of medicare guidelines the um, society for vascular surgery actually has in has recommended for a number of years now expanding that indication to women who also have tobacco abuse I mentioned before, I thought we'd cover uh, those screening exams. You know, I had a patient one time to have a, it was like six centimeters and we, you know, he went to the, it was enlarging and it might even been bit bigger than six, but he was telling me he got screened on uh, milk crates in the back of a grocery store uh, <laughs> with some sort of traveling ultrasound, uh, which, you know, it actually probably saved his life in this situation. But what what is your feeling on these health fairs and these, uh, uh, advertisements for just generalized screening. Not, not only for AAAs, but also could you cover vascular disease as well? Just sure. Vascular disease? 
So, I mean, overall, I think that those uh, screening things, I mean, the most commonly uh, known one, I believe, is called Lifeline. Uh, we do get a fair number of people who come into the office with this. And basically, it depends on the company, but you can pay $90 to $100 and have a, a check of your carotid arteries to make sure you're not at risk of stroke. Uh, they check your abdominal aorta and make sure you don't have an aneurysm. Um, and they also usually perform some sort of a flow testing for your legs, uh, most likely an ankle brachial index, uh, basically just blood pressure me measurements on the leg, but very useful in being exactly that, a screening test. And, and you know, they take few images and basically give us an idea if there's disease there, which then, you know, gets the patients either back to their primary care doctors or here in our office where we can perform a, a full dedicated ultrasound and, and really uh, interrogate the problem. With, with that being said, would you say that are there a lot of false positives or do these are these screening tests relatively sensitive? I would say they're relatively sensitive. Uh, I, I think it's it's definitely not a, a waste of 90 or 100 dollars for people who have risk factors. Um, you know, they, they give us a good indication of of some disease process going on. Now, they don't do a great job in really defining how big the aneurysm is. Uh, they often don't look at the iliac arteries, which are uh, you know, the two arteries that supply the legs that come off just below the belly button. But, uh, you know, those are things that we can identify uh, going down the road. But I think in general, the fact that these are available and get more people screened than maybe would have been without it is a, is a good thing. Okay, so I have an aneurysm and I go to your office. Are we going to do surgery right away? What take me through that process? So the start of the aneurysm process, then, as we said, defines as any vessel that's dilated over uh, one and a half times its usual size. So um, that for abdominal aortic aneurysms, that's typically about three centimeters that we begin to call them an aneurysm, and then each society has some recommendations of following that aneurysm. And so uh, because we know obviously that the, the reason to fix these aneurysms is because they have the potential to rupture and rupture is almost universally fatal, even with today's updated techniques for fixing things in a more minimally invasive and less stressful fashion, the death rate is still, you know, approaching 80%. So, um, you know, the fact that we, we get people, we identify them, um, but it, you know, if you have a small aneurysm, which typically is, uh, around three to four centimeters, uh, we follow it on an annual basis with a, a, another dedicated ultrasound. Uh, once they get over four centimeters, we start following it a little more frequently because those are the ones that have the potential to expand more rapidly and, and maybe indicators for surgery. But generally, we're going to uh, wait until an aneurysm is uh, usually about 5.5 centimeters for men and five centimeters for women, just because women typically have slightly smaller blood vessels. Okay. You said you said that if it ruptures, that's almost always fatal. Correct. Correct. Yes, wow. that's we. It's always a good conversation to have with the patients because you know, rightfully so, people are concerned when they have this diagnosis because right. most of them, you know, know someone who's had an aneurysm and and uh, you know, so it's a good talking point to be able to discuss. You know, that if anybody has any unusual abdominal or back pain. Um, when they have an aneurysm, they need to get to the local ER, not drive a long distance. It's get somewhere where we can, you know, get stabilized and, and have an opportunity to uh, 
get them somewhere to fix it. Well, then let's talk about fixing it. What tell, to walk us through how those procedures work? Because I know it's not always cut cut you open. No, um, you know, and actually, even in my time fixing aneurysm, there's been a big swing. And as you alluded to, we used to do big open abdominal surgery for for everyone to try to fix it. Where we and it, and not that there's anything wrong with it. It's a great way to fix aneurysms. It's just associated with a, a, a much more stressful procedure for the body. And the fact that, you know, as we said previously, atherosclerotic risk factors are um, the biggest uh, risk factor for aneurysms as well. Many people have heart disease in, in conjunction. And so what we've done is tried to minimize uh, the stress on the body to uh, you know, decrease the risk of aneurysm-related death. And so um, from the big open belly surgeries where we would clamp off the aorta and sew a, a polyester graft in place of where the, where the disease tissue is, we've gone to uh, less invasive methods of fixing aneurysms with uh, what are called stent grafts, which are basically giant stent struts that have, uh, uh, you know, either polyester or Gore-Tex material sewn onto them to to basically seal the aneurysm from the inside. And, and more or less, um, a little model here to show what it looks like, but um, the aneurysm itself, basically, you see up by the kidney arteries here, and we seal with a graft that seals to the neck of the aneurysm here, and then seals below the uh, aneurysm sac into normal tissue below. And so we, we do this from just accessing the femoral arteries generally. Wow, that's fascinating. How long does those, does those grass have a, li- a, a lifetime or an expiration date? They do not. Typically, um, especially these days with the current generation of grass, um, they're associated with very few problems down the road. They, I mean, the, the first generation, and, and we're not talking a long history of fixing them. The first endovascular aneurysm repair was done in 1998. So, um, you know, we're, we are, we do have a fair amount of data on them now, but the generations of devices we use now, they, they don't tend to separate, they don't tend to move. Uh, they can develop things that are called endoleaks down the road, which um, generally are just small vessels that back bleed into the sac of the aneurysm because of course we're not, we don't have to over sew those with, when we're doing it from the inside of the vessel. But you know, those are uh, problems that we basically trade the upfront risk of surgery for the lesser risk of developing those leaks that need to be monitored and followed down the road after we've decreased that initial risk. And do you follow these patients for a period of time after you do the repair? We do. Um, the, the guidelines would um, tell us that basically we, in the first year, we do need to get several follow-up studies to look at it. So we usually do a CT scan at, a, at one month and a year after implantation of these devices. And ultrasound usually at six months. And then as long as the CT scan at a a year is looking good, usually most of these patients can be followed safely with, uh, you know, non-invasive ultrasound evaluation, you know, similar to how most of them are discovered in the first place. Okay. In in summary, the risk factors are similar to what it is for heart disease. Yes. The smoking and high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And best way to prevent that is to modify those risk factors the best you can. Correct. And then get screening at the appropriate age. Yes. yes. In a grocery store at, on milk crates. <laughs> yeah, at, at least to start. That's, that's not, a, not a bad way to go. 
One last question. Why did you choose vascular surgery? You know, I actually had uh, a great opportunity when I was in medical school to connect with a, a cardiologist who um, showed me a lot of endovascular and allowed me to do a lot of endovascular work. Ironically, it took until about my third year of general surgery to realize that vascular surgeons did that as well. So um, it was once I, you know, learned that that, you know, we could do the endovascular techniques and have such a rapid but minimally invasive effect on people's lives. It was it was, you know, a clear choice for me. Plus, you know, most of us who go into into vascular surgery, you know, fixing aneurysms and 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 trying to save legs is basically the reason why we do what we do. And uh, I just found that very enjoyable. Good. Well, despite me telling him different, my father-in-law certainly thinks a lot of you and your surgical skills. <laughs> um, I tried to talk him out of that, but uh, just no go there. So this is really great information. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. Again, this was uh, Dr. Jared Cray with Physician Clinic of Iowa and St. Luke's Hospital discussing aortic abdominal aneurysms. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.